Blog Talk Radio. JJ and uh, Michelle, and Howdy. hopefully, hopefully we'll have Joe with us. But uh, yeah, running a skeleton crew tonight. Uh, everybody's got better things to do than talk about their favorite hockey team, I guess. Whatever. Nobody likes sure. to play. Um, so yeah, how's everybody doing? Fantastic. Okay. Good talk. <laughs> That's good. Good to hear it. I'm doing fine. I mean, Canada. All right, right tune now. in next time. Yep, all right, guys. Can- see you later. Canada, what are you doing? In- <laughs> well, I'm visiting the girlfriend, and, you know, we're just hanging out. So, you know, I'm in Canada, just enjoying uh, uh, French fries and gravy and maple syrup. You're nowhere and, near uh, mm-hmm. where Ryan O'Reilly's out driving drunk, are you? No, Careful I'm not for him. near Ryan O'Reilly. Um, okay. Everybody here is safe. We did not. Yeah, we're good. Um, anyways. Uh, yeah, so a lot going on uh, the last time we talked after the uh, the draft. And, uh, you know, we had a lot to talk about then, and we have a lot to talk about now. Just after free agent frenzy, the Red Wings making a couple of big moves to uh, to bolster their their season next year. Um, uh, so let's uh, – but before we get into that, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about the Red Wings prospect development camp that just took place up in Traverse City, which Michelle was there and she was doing some coverage for us there. Um, you know they do this every year up in Traverse City, um, right at Center Ice. You know they bring all the prospects in, um, and you know they basically get a look and a you know basically a quick look into what uh, what an everyday NHL player goes through and what it's going to take to get to that next level. Um, you know, so obviously you had uh, all of the all of the 2015 draft picks were there, including Evgeny uh, Svechnikov. Um, uh, now, I don't know if I know how to pronounce his name. Is it Sarah Yarvi? Or is it Sarah Jarvi? I believe it's Sarah Yarvi. I've heard Sarah people Yarvey, pronounce okay. it. Yeah, I've heard people pronounce it the other way, but I I don't think that's correct. Okay, so Billy Seriari, the third round pick, and then all the other guys. Not saying that they're not important, but you know. Um, so, who Michelle? Since you were there, um, and none of us, n- no one else on on the line right now was. Who uh who made the impression? Who was the uh, the hot shot? The one that that wasn't. Let's go ahead and say we know that Dylan Larkin made an impression because he's Dylan Larkin and, you know, he's great. So who who made an impression who you weren't expecting an impression from? 
um, that I wasn't expecting an impression from. Well, yeah, not 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 trying to say like, oh, I wasn't expecting anything from him because I think he sucks. No, just like a, oh, that's a pleasant surprise. Right. Well, so when I approach the development camp, you kind of look at it with two sides of the coin. You have, you know, anybody that's returning and a little bit the prospects that are a little bit older, when they're that, when they're this young just a one year in their development makes a huge difference. And you can definitely always tell the guys that have been to even just one camp before versus the new draft picks that are coming in or the camp invites. You almost have to look at them and evaluate them in different groups Mm -hmm. Um, because the standouts, you know, really were guys like Larkin, Amantha, Bertuzzi, Pickett, James DeHaas, you know, guys that you expect to be standouts because they're a little bit older and they've been there mm-hmm. before. Um, I thought that um, Evgeny Shvechnikov, um was very good. He struggled at first, and I think a lot of it was nerves. Yeah. Watch him um, in some of the drills, and he might miss a pass or fumble the puck, or it really looked like he was nervous and trying to figure yeah. things out. Um, as camp went on, though, he did get much better, and then he made a lot of progress too from the first scrimmage to the second. You could see he was more comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. He was keeping up with the pace a little bit better. He's. I, I know a lot of the pros say that he needs work on his skating, but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't bad, um, and okay. he definitely definitely has skill. With, with yeah, from what I've heard, what I, from what I've heard about Svechnikov and. The, the mostly, I mean, the, the biggest knock on his game is that obviously he has to become a better skater, which is fine. Um, that's something that can be taught. Um, my whole take on the whole thing is, you know, he's a just-turned-18-year-old hockey player who just got drafted by an NHL team. Um, you know, he's obviously the nerves are going to be there, and uh, he's not going to obviously come in and light it up. Um, <clears throat> you know, he's not, he's not like a... Um, I don't think he's like on that Larkin level because Larkin stepped onto his first development camp and was pretty pretty spectacular. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where he goes. Obviously, he's going to head back to the QMJHL and play with Cape Breton. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, that is what it is because the QMJHL is terrible. But um, uh-uh. you know, I think yeah, yeah, it's bad. But <laughs> I think that uh, hopefully. You know he can he can make some big strides there and and uh, keep up that strong pace and and keep be above a you know because I mean be above a point per game player which I I believe he will um, he's big I mean he's like he reminds me a lot of what Manta is but um, I don't know he's got better hands maybe he's just you know a little bit craftier with the puck um, okay so for somebody who uh, doesn't exactly know what he's looking at apparently because I watched. Uh, all of Michelle's videos, and mm-hmm. like, I really like Svechnikov's skating stride. I, I guess I don't know if like he's slow or if he doesn't turn as well or or what, but he looks like yeah. he's a natural with the puck on his stick. What specifically right. about his skating does he need to work on? Is like, is he not fast enough? Does he not turn corners well no. enough? Is his balance I, I, off? I think that his biggest thing from when I what I saw. He's got a great first step. He's got a first step like Max Pacioretty. He can he can move like really quickly right off the gun. Um, 
But I think like his lateral movements might need a little edge work. Obviously, he's probably going to need work. Um, you know, I saw, and a lot of the video that I've watched was him while he was playing in the QMJHL when he was a lot younger. Um, so, I mean, I watched what was what was what um, Michelle had recorded, and uh, obviously, I liked what I saw. You know, it's, but like the thing is, is that I can't look at any prospect and just say this guy is perfect in every way. And if I had to pick something out for Svechnikov, it would be probably his edge work and his and his skating. Um, there's nothing wrong with his stride. He's strong. He's got a strong stride. And, you know, he's quick first step. So, um, you know, I, I think if I had to pick anything out, it would be that. Because obviously, I don't get to see him play two-way hockey right now because I wasn't there. But yeah. Right on. I don't know. I still think he's a great prospect. Nah, you know, I'm excited that they drafted him either way. You know, I, I, I'm not sure if there's many other prospects who. Were, well, there were a couple on the on the on the board at the time who I wanted them to take, but they didn't. So whatever. But um, I think that he's a great prospect, and I think that he has already has a frame built for the NHL, obviously. And um, you know, if he can just uh, keep developing, then I don't see why he wouldn't be a, an NHL player in you know two or three years. Um, so I don't know. He'll be a and, and the, the the good thing about him too is I I and I don't know if um, at development camp uh, Michelle was he playing center at all? No, he was um, on Dylan Larkin's right wing with Axel Holmstrom okay. on the left. Okay, interesting. Because I know that he, there's yeah. a lot of. Uh, talk about him playing center uh, in the in the last few months of uh, his first Q season. So I don't know if that's uh, something to maybe keep in mind, that he could be one of those guys who is, can play both the wing and the center, which is just the Red Wings. That's just the Red Wings stuff. Like, that's just a Red Wings thing. You know, they seem to have um, able centermen no matter where. So, um, yeah, yeah one, that's one of the things. Okay. One of the things that made um, Shvechnikov stand out to me, too, was he's stealthy when he's on the ice. Like, he might go mm-hmm. for a little bit without noticing him. He's kind of, like, hanging around watching. And then um, yeah. you guys probably saw on the, the goal that um, he scored in the second scrimmage, it was, like, kind of boom, out of nowhere. He comes out right to where the puck is and puts it in. Right. Yeah, I really like you know. the way he positioned himself on that play. Uh being the first guy in on that four check in the the corner, uh, helping mm-hmm. create the turnover, and then uh, back around after Larkin did his thing to make all that all that space, he got into the slot into the high slot at like exactly the right time and right when the puck got right. to him, and that's that's just pretty. I like that. So from the rest watching, of, go ahead. One of the things I'll be watching, you know, that's that's a a good thing, but then knowing that the QMJHL is such such an offensive league and, you know, you watch what Mantha did when he was there and then the struggles mm-hmm. that he had when he came to the AHL. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, if Shvetskikov keeps playing that way, is it going to, like, is that sneakiness? He's going to have to be really smart about it. Otherwise, yeah. you know, he might end up being, like, on the outside sneaky but not getting engaged and, and getting, you know, into the action like he needs to. So that'll be something interesting to watch uh, over the next couple seasons and see how, how that develops. Right. Yeah, I think it'll definitely, uh, um, you know, obviously the QMJHL is just 
it's just trash league, I think. But, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see how it, how it turns out. Uh, JJ, were you trying to say something else? We keep cutting you off because, obviously, we don't want to hear you talk. No, it's fine. Um, I just wanted to see if Michelle would run down basically the rest of the uh, the 2015 class and, and give thoughts yeah. on how they looked in their first development class, uh, camp. Sure. Um, so we talked about Shvechikov. Um mm-hmm. Adam Marsh, when I first started watching him, um, he was our, our seventh-round pick. When I first started watching him, I wasn't really sure. Like, he didn't make much of an impression. He was just kind of there, which you get with a lot of the guys when it's their first camp, um, especially if they're not, you know, really highly skilled players. Um, Mm -hmm. But then when I saw him in the first scrimmage, like his skill set started to come out a little bit more. Um, He, I think he had a goal and an assist in the first scrimmage and another point in the second one, I think. Um, he just kind of got, I guess, got better and better as camp went on. Um, he's he's got decent size. He's what is he like six foot six foot one hundred and sixty one pounds. So he's still lanky. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought he did pretty good for it being his first camp and, mm-hmm. you know, for him being c- competing against a lot of uh, more experienced guys, too. Um, right. He had he had good speed, too. Um, looked like he had a pretty hard shot um, was something that I noticed in the um, in the skill drills that um, had, a, had a pretty yeah, good he shot. Yeah, kind of, he kind of struck himself uh, described himself as a uh, more of a sniper type player um, while he was uh, w- during the uh, the uh, interviews at the um, at the draft. Um, so what about uh, let's let's go back uh, to the third round with uh, with our newest Finn Vili uh, Sariarvi. Um, what do we think? What do you think of him? How did he how did he look? Um, he looked he looked good. He um, wasn't he was only able to play the first half of the first scrimmage. Um, he was having issues with leg cramps. Um, mm-hmm. Very first time I saw him skate, though, he's he's fast, and he is a very good skater. Um, up until four years ago, he was a forward. And mm-hmm. you can definitely tell that he's carried the puck a lot and has a lot of uh, puck skills You know, when you watch him on the back end. Um, quick, mobile defenseman, makes really good passes. Um, mm-hmm. One of the comments that um, uh, Coach Todd Nelson talked about, because uh, sorry, I was not a, a big guy. Um, no. But Nelson said, you know, when you look at him, he's not big, but he plays strong. He's a strong skater, um, and he goes into the corners with passion, and that's kind of what you get with him. Like It's, it's exciting to watch him. He, he plays with good pace. Um, right. A lot of potential there for a, for a really good, smart offensive defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he's good. pretty young, you know. Before the draft, he was he wasn't even in the top 210 um, NHL ranked. No, um, he wasn't. He, he didn't make the, the final in. cut. Yeah, but he. I mean, he was a big star um, for Finland um, and yeah. world, and it's kind of 
like wasn't ranked that high, but is is really starting to take off in the last couple of months. Um, I'm I'm pretty yeah, excited to what I saw from him. I think him moving to the OHL to play with Flint is going to be good for him too. He'll get more playing time. Um, I just think you know I, I, he'll be closer to the organization. I think that's gonna, I think that was a smart choice on his part. Um, just because he would have been a seven defenseman in Finland, and I don't know if they usually roll seven defensemen in a game, but it was pretty clear that he'd get limited playing time. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, from what he said, he expected that if he'd gone back to Lincoln, then he'd probably be the seventh defenseman getting, you know, minimum mm-hmm. minutes. And that's not really going to help him out. He needs to play. Right. He needs to power play. He needs to play big minutes, you know, be used in every situation to really further his development. And having him that close to Detroit and that, you know, that much closer to us is, is pretty awesome. Absolutely. So, um, what about uh, Jorn Van Pottelberg, the newest goalie in the system? He's interesting. You can see there's a bit of talent and skill there, and I know Hakan Anderson was pretty high on him. Um, that was one of Anderson's picks, if I understand correctly. Uh, still pretty raw, which most goalies his age are. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks like he... he He's six two, two hundred and one pounds. So mm-hmm. he's a big, big guy. goalie. Yeah, he, he covers a lot of the net just by standing there. But you know, for a big guy too, he's he's pretty mobile. Um, I think there's a bit of work to be done yet. Um, you know, on the, the fine details of his game. But he was very mm-hmm. receptive, you know, to the coaches talking to him. And it's hard to get a really good read on the goalies at this camp because, you know, you can watch him in half of each scrimmage. Mm-hmm. But most of the most of the drills are, you know, geared towards the players. Like you're not really unless it's a game situation, it's really hard um to judge too much of the goalies. Um I liked what I saw, but I, I do think he's, you know, young. Okay. Um Yeah, goalies are goalies are tough to, to really crack into. You really don't know what you're getting you know, they're they're like a box of chocolates. You don't know what you're gonna get, so I mean, that's just uh, that's just the way the cookie crumbles for that stuff. Um, that's deep, Kyle. So there are a couple others. What? That's deep. Thank you. Yeah, I got chocolate on the mind. I'm sorry, guys. Um, I so, thought it was uh, me. Yeah, that too. Chase Pearson, uh, another another guy that we took. Um, he, uh, I don't really know much about Chase. I met him in the um, airport. Uh, in the airport, coming home from Florida, I met him there. Um, and uh, he, you know, he's a he's a nice kid. But again, I don't really know much about him. Um, how did he look at camp? Um, he didn't make a big impression. Um, mm-hmm. He's kind of one of the more I guess raw um, of of the new draft picks. Um, I think he could grow into a stealthy playmaker. Um, he didn't he didn't uh, knock my socks off or anything. Like you can you can see the the talent that's there. He's um, also got a, a bit of speed when he's skating, um, but still pretty. 
pretty young and pretty raw. Um, right. He might be a player that takes a little bit longer, yeah. um, you know, to develop just from, you know, the little bit that I've seen so far. Yeah, okay. Um, so, uh, was it Hallway, Patrick Hallway, uh, the gigantic kid that we drafted, the big right shooting defenseman, um, who just opened a bunch of eyes because of how big he is. Uh, when I look at when I look at him, uh, I see a kid who has been playing in a in, basically he's been playing in a midget league, um, and uh, he's just big. But I, when I, I saw some video of him, he just looking. He doesn't look like he's a great skater. He looks kind of like a giraffe when he skates. Um, I mean, what what did he look like? Well, he's he's tall, and I know that he's listed at six four, two hundred one pounds. But he looks, I mean, he looks really thin. Um, mm-hmm. A little, a little bit clunky when he skates, and kind of awkward. Like he hasn't, mm-hmm. you know, he's so young that he hasn't figured out how to put the size and the skill together and make good use of his abilities. Um, right. He uh, again is one of the more raw um, of the the new draft picks. Um, he was he was decent on defense. He didn't really wow me, but he did get better as camp went on. Um, it looks like he has the potential to maybe have a little bit of a mean streak in him, but it's really hard mm-hmm. to tell development camp because you know it's a quote-unquote friendly scrimmage where you are only going to be so mean. Um, right. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it looks like the Red Wings very much, you know, like with many other drafts, um, they got they got some, some – they got pretty much all project players, good project players, players who aren't, you know, who are, who are going to be – could very well be great players one day. Um but yeah, certainly nobody who is jumping into the NHL next year and uh, making an impact. Um, okay, I got one more player on the mind before we uh, we move on. Um, sure. How did uh, did Dominic Turgeon look? Because I I read a little bit that he was more impressive in this camp, but I'm still like out of all the picks last year, like. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi looked like a, a total veteran there. Looked very comfortable with Mantha. Looks like they're gonna. They've got some great chemistry going on. Um, Mantha looked more like a veteran. He looked more calm. But uh, I don't really see anything of of Terjean. Is he? Where is he at to have gotten that uh, that third round pick that cost us uh, this year? Um, well, he definitely was better than last year. Um, and he got much stronger as camp went on, like in the second scrimmage. You can see he's got the size. Um, I think part of what he's fighting is um, in in the Western Hockey League, he's pegged as a defensive shutdown center. And he's kind of trying to break out of that mold a little bit and be more offensive and prove that he can be more offensive because he's got the defensive the defensive skill down. And so I think that part of his game, you know, when you have a defensive center, they go a little bit more unnoticed. And, you know, when, you have, when you're have when you flanked by Tyler Bertuzzi and Anthony Mantha, 
Um, if you're a defensive center, it's a lot easier to blend into the background. But he was more assertive this year. Um, he definitely got quicker, um, and he's kind of growing into his size. And, you know, I saw him a few times, like, take the puck into the zone and just kind of almost, like, puff himself out, make himself look bigger, and, you know, carry it, carry the puck in through people. So I definitely did see an improvement from last year. He's growing into his body a little more and kind of putting all of the pieces together. Um, but I know talking to him, he definitely wants to be um, more offensive. Um, I think that's a little bit of a struggle for him, you know, back in the WHL because, like I said, he's kind of pegged as the defensive center. Um, and when you're used in that capacity, especially when you're that young, you know, you're, you're doing what your coach wants you to do and you're playing the role that you put in, uh, but at the same time, he knows that, you know, if he's going to be a Red Wing someday, that he needs to be more offensive than he is now. I think it was a Hockey Future article that said they pegged Turgeon as one of, as the possible breakout prospect for this coming season, partially because he had been used in that kind of role with his junior team, and now the biggest offensive contributors are graduating to, out of the WHL. And, so now he's basically number one center by default. Awesome. Hi, Joe. And hi, Joe. Hi. Hey, Joe. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so I guess uh, the next thing to ask is, as of right now, who are your top top prospects in the Red Wings organization? Uh, obviously, Dylan Larkin is up there. He's number numero uno. Uh, so let's just go ahead and leave his name out. Um Who's up there for you? Well, definitely at the MCU, um, who wasn't able to participate in development camp. Um, he split his finger in the final round um, of the Calder Cup playoffs. Um, so he was there, but he wasn't able to participate. Um, he, Mantha, Bertuzzi, um, Kamash Nosek is another guy, mm-hmm. um, you know, wasn't at development camp, but is definitely um, up there. Um on defense, obviously, Marchenko and Roulette, uh, Jensen. But of the younger prospects, um, I think Hicketts, Joe Hicketts was, I mean, had a phenomenal camp. And even from what we saw last year, really made improvements. And he was a standout, um, which, again, you he was a standout. But there were only, I think, three um, guys on defense that were returning guys, you know, that were veterans. So had a lot of a lot of rookies and a lot of invites. Um, James DeHaas is another guy, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of keep your eye on because um, I think he has has some really good potential. Um, so it's safe to say that at at this point, because I I think players like Ulet and Marchenko they've they've been graduated from being a prospect. Um, I think that Joe Hicketts is probably. Uh, our best defensive prospect. And I don't know if I should be worried or if I should be happy about that. <laughs> yes, I, I think you can, I think it's safe to be happy about that. Um, I know the biggest um, worry that most people have about him is his size, but he doesn't play like he's tall. And when you watch him, he doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, 
he doesn't feel like he's playing small. You don't you don't right. think that when he's on the ice. So um, I think there are some players that can overcome their size and they can make it even when, you know, most people might not think that they can. I think he's one of those guys, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, where would you put Hickett if you were to make a general ranking instead of separating by position? Um, are we excluding guys like Marchenko, Willett, and Denson? Yes. Okay. Um, he's probably excluding the AHL guys. I would probably put him first or second. Um, Behind Dylan Larkin? Well, just just defense. Just defensive prospects. I don't. I hate ranking prospects without separating by position because there's so much difference, and rankings can vary based on what the team's specific needs are at any given time. You know, it's, it's hard for me to rank forwards, defensemen, and goalies without separating by position. Um, I mean, Hicketts has, he's going back to Victoria for another season. Mm-hmm. And then he'll be coming to Grand Rapids. So, you know, he's still got still got some time. I don't want to, you know, how high can you rank a kid who has another year in juniors? It's super high. There's, there's much, super duper high. You know what? Put him right at the top. <laughs> Might as well. I mean, you know, while we're while we're at it, let's pile on unrealistic expectations for all of the prospects. That way, they can all be very, very, right. very disappointing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a good idea. So, moving on, um, since we've covered development camp, let's talk about free agency. Um, if you miss free agency because you live under a hole or a rock or whatever you live under, <laughs> um, <clears throat> the uh, Red Wings got themselves that elusive right-hand offensively-minded defenseman in Mike Green. They signed him to a, was it three years or was it four years? Three years. Three, three years, six million a year, so an $18 million contract. Um, and then just a total change-up from, from Ken Holland when we're all just expecting one, you know, they pretty much only need one player, and that was that defenseman. And even even where they were at, it was like, okay, uh, do they really need to grab someone? Do they need to go out and pay this and do that? But after they bought out Stephen White, well, you, you know, you had you had options. Um, Ken Holland went out and signed Brad Richards, the uh, the veteran, uh, the veteran from uh, who uh, won the Stanley Cup with Chicago this year. Um, had a had somewhat of a bounce back uh, season after. You know, not doing so hot before. Um, you know, he's a proven scorer. Uh, you know, he's uh, I think he's 35 years old, um, and he's going to play center for. Um, he's going to be a top six player for for the time being um, until Pavel Datsyuk gets completely healthy. Um, you know, I don't know how I feel about Red Richards being the top line center for the Red Wings. That could be really good. Well, I don't think it could be really good, but I think it's. 
it's it's probably gonna it's gonna be an interesting run. But um, they signed him to a three million dollar contract over one year, um, which is about a million more than he was making with Chicago. Um, I'm not crazy about it. I'm not crazy about the signing, but um, you know it it means that Dan Cleary is not coming back. Hopefully, so I, I'll do that. I'll I'll uh, I'll take care. Of it. I'll, I can I can stomach that. Um, so yeah, I mean we walked away with Mike Green and Brad Richards, and um, I mean how do you guys feel about that? I'm feeling pretty good. Um, yeah. Like you said, I mean Richards definitely. I was not expecting that at all. Um, mm-hmm. I mean you. We've made our defense better with Green. Right. He, it's definitely an upgrade. Um, Richards, we're going to need more center depth, especially with Datsuk not being able to play until, was it late October, they're saying? Right, uh, At yeah. least. Um, you know, it's a pretty good player to go out and pick up, and it does give you that depth. I mean, even if he starts out at, at first-line center and doesn't go so great. You could bump him down to second line and, you know, Zetterberg temporarily center the top line if need be. Like, you, you, we have options. I like options. Right. I like the options, and I also like that it's a bit of insurance so that way we can buy Pavel Dotsky's time to actually get healthy and he doesn't feel the need to get run. Hopefully, he doesn't feel the need to get rushed back before he's actually completely healthy. Yeah, I wasn't expecting Richards for for one year at, at three million. And when I saw that it was three million, uh, the first ex, the first thought was was a little bit of sticker shock for me. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I was ready to go into the season with Datsuk and Zetterberg potentially uh, split up, and with or with Riley Shan as the as the number two center. Um, Honestly, for $3 million, Richards is going to spend at least a month of the season playing as our top center. So you can't get a guy that you're paying less than $3 million for that. Um, Because, honestly, I'm not sure I want Zetterberg really going back to that position. Um, I really like what Blashill has said in the meantime about how he wants... Datsuk and Zetterberg together because they've asked to be together as much as possible. Um, specifically more so he wants Nyquist and Tatar to prove that they can basically run a line with each other that is capable of playing as a top six uh, duo. So whomever their center is going to be, um, yeah, let's make it happen. I mean, they're they're both getting... I mean, maybe not Tatar as much as, as Nyquist, but I mean they're getting paid to do that job now, and that's what we what we absolutely have to see is how much can those guys truly carry. So, I think Richards covers that. I have uh, I had a lot of doubts about whether or not Shea could could hack the two C for a long period. Now I don't think he has to. Uh, I think this gives them a little bit more flexibility as far as how they want to uh, potentially use Larkin. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very positive on the Richards deal. And on the Green deal, I mean, I'm I'm just over the moon. If if Green can be 
a hint of what he has been in, in Washington, um, I think that's a, a freaking steal. And even if not, it's just a three-year deal. It's not the end of the world. It's not a, a bank-breaking kind of thing. Um, it gives Danny DeKaiser a, a, a defensive partner who is exceptional at moving the puck. I think that Green's um, mobility in the offensive zone should really help DeKaiser uh, kind of find that extra gear offensively as well. I think where he's going to get a lot more opportunities to kind of boom it from the point, um, like from the very middle of the ice, which we don't see our defensemen getting a lot of shooting opportunities uh, outside of Cronwall, who makes those opportunities himself. Um, I think it makes our defense that much deeper. I mean, we were looking for a right-shooting offensive-minded defenseman, and we were looking for a top-six forward. We got both of those, and we didn't break the bank to do it. So I'm very happy with the way Ken Holland uh, managed free agency. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, you essentially added a thirty-point, 30, at least thirty-point, thirty-plus point defenseman to your lineup, which is, I mean, if you tell me if you put a thirty, let's say, you take Green fast last year, what do you do? Like forty something points, um, and you put that on the Red Wings. Well, I think their season looks maybe a little bit different than what it actually turned out to be. Um, when you have, you know, I mean, because essentially you have two defensemen who produce offensively. You have the Kaiser and you have Cronwall. The Kaiser is one of those guys who is, you know, obviously going to be entering his prime, and then you have Cronwall who is obviously on his way out of his prime. Um, and then you, you bring in a guy like Green who is very much entering his prime or is in his prime right now, so... It's like a, uh, it's like a win now move, but it's a, at the same time it's a very safe win now move, and it's the same with the Richard Steele. You know, he is 35 years old. Um, you know, he's a proven point producer, center who can play in the top six. You're paying him three million. Um, you know, I think it's a good deal, uh, and I think he'll, I think he'll mesh nicely with who he ends up playing with. So, and then when Dasty gets healthy again, like, you know, all of a sudden you have so much center depth that you're just, you know, you, then, you know, you rearrange everything. Maybe you move Shea into the third line center or or you just keep Shea in at 2C and then you uh, you move Richards to the third line and uh, all of a sudden things are looking pretty, uh, pretty good. So, I would say that the Red Wings are definitely a, a winner Entry agency this year, which is a good, which feels really good to say, for obvious reasons. Yeah, I think because some of the things I'm excited about with Green is it's a it's a move to give our defense more offense, and it's um, production from the defense is something that I think the Wings have been really lacking. You know, since mm-hmm. since we lost, you know, Nick Lidstrom. Um, but you look at, you know, you mentioned we have basically two guys on defense that produce points. It's Cronwall and DeKaiser. We need more yeah. from the defense. And if you're taking Green, yeah, you do. who not only brings that offense, but like J.J. said, you pair him with DeKaiser and mm-hmm. allow DeKaiser to be more offensive. Deke put up 31 points last season. He was our second highest scoring defenseman 
29 of those points were assists. But he was yeah. also paired up most of the season with Quincy, and those two were used in more of a shutdown role. He wasn't being used as much in an offensive right. you know, capacity. So if you look at the points that, that Kaiser did put up and look at him being paired with Green, who will – help him offensively, and you have to assume that those two are going to be used in an offensive role, not a shutdown role. I mean, there's some serious potential for that pairing to be mm-hmm. a a critical um, addition in offense to the team. Right, and uh, yeah, I, I've always been a big fan of Mike Green, and he's always, uh, over the last couple of years in Washington, he's been in a very sheltered role. Uh, you know, playing third third pairing minutes, and uh, I think this is a great opportunity for him because obviously he's going to step in. He's he's going to be he's going to have the uh, opportunity to become a like in a, a vital part of the blue line, like like straight up. Um, so I think it's a great situation for both the player um, and uh, and and the team um, and. I just think it's so weird that now free agents want to sign with us now that uh, we are Babcockless. How weird. Uh, Whatever. Anyway. Put my tinfoil hat on. Yeah, well, we always have those on. <laughs> so who, uh, going outside of the Red Wings, um, who are the biggest losers of free agency? Like, who blew it? Because when I looked around the league, there aren't, like, there, some of the contracts, I mean, there aren't any, like, outrageous contracts. I don't really, there's nothing that pops off in my head and goes, holy shit. Like, you know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah, I don't I know. The I big, think, I that, think uh, the one was what a lot of people thought was my green one. Everybody thought, like, wow, six million for three years? Wow, okay. What did you say, Joe? I think Kolesky isn't as outrageous as people were expecting, but Boston gave him a five-year term, I think it was, for a guy who came off a career season. And the money, the money at the moment doesn't seem like it'll hamstring that them that much, but near three, four, and five of that contract that Kolesky doesn't produce. Calgary had a, had a really good time. 
Um, like, Los Angeles is still kind of in a holding pattern. Um, I'm not sure how much the Atlantic improved outside of Detroit. Um, like, I don't think Tampa had much to, to improve on, so whatever happens there. But, like, I'm not any more frightened of Montreal than I ever have been, and that's it always comes down to well, carry prices really good. So, I mean, it is what it is. I do think that the improvements of Buffalo and Toronto do make them uh, more spoilers in the Atlantic. Um, I think that uh, that Columbus probably got a little bit better, but it seems like they are spending a lot of money on, like, the B versions of really good players. Like, they've got good mm-hmm. players, and I think that they're going to make noise. But it's kind of... They're like the, the found-in-the-cereal-box version of good players, um, and their defense is still shit, so it is what it is. Um, yeah, most I of the big stuff has happened via trade. Like, uh, I think Pittsburgh got way better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, that was... I mean, it's going to be interesting to see with Toronto, because, J.J., you said, you know, they got better, but... I. I don't know if they did overall. I mean, what the Kessel trade was kind of, when I heard what the details were, you know, they shipped out Kessel and Tyler Biggs and Tim Erickson, which those two are whatever. But they got, like, three people and some picks that, I mean, the three guys they got, Kapanen, Spalding, and Harrington, I mean, those guys aren't going to pick up the production that Kessel had. Yeah, you're probably okay. right. I I don't think that they Toronto got any better. I th- I mean, I could I could I could be wrong, but I feel like Toronto got worse, but that that was probably part of their plan was you know to get worse before they got better. So I guess in that sense, congratulations. Yeah, you're right. Leafs suck. They're fucking awful, and uh, Babcock made the wrong call. <laughs> But yeah, I but I'm not being sarcastic. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh picking up Kessel, that's pretty huge. But it's going to be interesting because, you know, Kessel's been, like, I mean, in Toronto, he was kind of the the big name on the team. So it's going to be interesting big to see, you know, team. does he <laughs> – he was, uh, yeah, the whipping, whipping boy on the team too. But, you know, how is he going to – like, is he going to – do in Pittsburgh what uh, Louis Erickson did when he went from Dallas to Boston? Just kind of, you know, fade into the background a little more. Not that he was bad or anything, but, you know, it's a completely different atmosphere. And if you're playing on a team that has Sidney Crosby and Benny Malkin, is is he going to be, you know, as, as productive as he was in Toronto? With He's somebody be better than productive. Yeah. Probably more questions about hot dogs asked him. Yeah. <laughs> hot dogs are terrible. Oh, I do think it's weird. Like, what? Wait, you said hot dogs That's are terrible? Bad. That's a bad, That's a bad opinion. opinion. I agree. That's Unbelievable. Hey, I, I like hot dogs sometimes. I don't love hot dogs. I like them. They're okay. Well, one of our... One of our questions was, talk to me about how many hot dogs you eat per day. Do you have a favorite hot dog vendor or any special hot dog toppings? I don't have a favorite per vendor. Day? There's not a vendor anywhere near me. Um, so 
I just go to the store and buy hot dogs. Uh, how many hot dogs I eat per day is probably like 0 0.2. Probably eat two hot dogs every um, 10 days. Best topping is chili. That's Yeah, yeah chili is a good one. Ooh, I like relish. Yeah, relish is strong. Basically yeah, anything but ketchup. You're ruining shit with ketchup. Yeah, fuck ketchup. No, ketchup no, no, stuff. no. Ketchup is a Maybe once a year. Ugh. I, ketchup I is just bad. Well, no wonder you don't like hot dogs, Michelle. You put ketchup on them. Yeah, you know, what the hell's wrong with you? Ketchup and mustard. Nope, can't do it. Mustard's great, but anyways. Yeah. Um... um so the uh, regular season, we're in the dead zone right now, basically. Um, the Red Wings have a few more restricted free agents that they need to sign or let go of. Um, Timo Polkinen, Thomas Yurko um, are the main ones. Um, then there's Louis Mark Aubrey, but really, honestly, who cares about him? I'm not to be mean to him or anything, but real, really. like. Um, so... Obviously, Yurko and Polkanen are going to get signed. When's it going to happen? Probably tomorrow at 11 a.m. when I'm driving home or something. Um, uh, and if it does happen tomorrow tomorrow morning, then you heard it here first, motherfuckers. Okay, so don't don't <laughs> don't you forget it. Um, possibly breaking news. Possibly breaking news. Possible report. <laughs> so basically. There's, there's only one prospect who we think is going to make the team, and that's Larkin. And that's because he's just, with Datsuk being injured and, you know, all that stuff, it just, they, they have Helm playing the wing more often than not now. He just seems like he, he you know, it would be something that could happen. Um, there aren't any other prospects who could jump in, in, into the NHL right now, is there? I don't think so. Um, I don't know about, like, full-time boom, you're here, but there's a couple other guys that would have the potential to maybe start on, on the wings while we have injured players. I mean, I think that both... Um, both Athanasiu and Nosek are getting very, very close. But you know, mm -hmm. one of those guys are going to like make the team as a permanent fixture and play the entire season. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't even really know if necessarily Larkin's ready for full time. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he is either. I mean, he's close and he's really good and he's been impressive at every level that he's come into with how quickly he adapts and how quickly he learns, and his ability to be really good regardless of the competition level. But until we see him in the NHL, it's really hard to say if he's ready because even if he looks great in the AHL, it's still a big jump to the NHL. Mm -hmm. And I don't – I'm a maybe, but I don't feel confident saying, like, Bill and Larkin is ready to play in the NHL to start this season until I've seen him at least in some preseason games. I'm kind of on the fence. And if he starts in Grand Rapids, it's not a bad thing. I mean, he didn't play very much in the AHL after signing his contract. He came in for the final series in the playoffs. 
So even if he started out in Grand Rapids and ended up playing, let's say it was a half a season, that could still be to his, very much to his benefit as well. Dude. Mm-hmm. Bust. Eh, yeah, good. Yeah, could very well be. Anyways, um, let's see. What do I got here? So we have a log jam, um, mainly on defense, it seems. Um, you know, they added uh, they added Mike Green. Um, but they still have Xavier Ouellette and Alexi Marchenko, who are ready for the NHL. They should be playing in the NHL, like, no doubt about it. Um, but still, the Red Wings are, as it stands right now, they have their 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 three pairings set. You know, you've got, but you know, you need a seventh defenseman, obviously, and who that seventh defenseman is going to be is it remains to be seen. Um, you know, you've got Cronwall, Erickson, DeKaiser, Green, um, and then well, no, they have seven defensemen now. I'm getting my numbers mixed up now. I'm sorry, guys. Okay, I'm off the ball here. I don't know anything about hockey. Um, yeah, Cronwell Erickson, you got the Kaiser Green, and then for your last three defensemen right now are Smith, Quincy, and Kindle. You gotta figure Lashoff is gonna go through the waivers and go down. Um so yeah, you've got two guys in Smith and Kindle who Jeff Blashill is already talking about resurrecting their careers. Um mm-hmm. although how are they gonna get those chances if Marchenko and Ouellette and Quincy are going to be sticking around. Uh, I mean, obviously the answer is they're not, um, unless somebody, unless some stuff gets moved around or moved out. Maybe Blasio was just, you know, like planting a seed there, saying I'm going to resurrect these guys' careers, and then he just goes to Ken Holland and say, "Hey, trade these guys, please." Oh yeah, I think he's lying about one of them, but. What the hell is he gonna say? He's like, oh, I think Kendall sucks. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Obviously, you're. I mean, you've, yeah. you've got the you got the team, and you've got a, a couple guys that the fans have a lot of questions about whether or not they can hack it. And honestly, the very best answer is to say, well, I'm gonna see what we can do with them. I think they've got potential. He's not gonna say, um, I'm gonna try to get the I'm gonna try to dislodge the pile of shit from between Brendan Smith's ears, and I'm gonna try to kickstart the motor in in Jakob Kindle, if it takes a fucking chainsaw to do it, he's going to say nice things about them. And then we're going right. to find out uh, how much he's lying come October. Absolutely. Then we'll just need to figure out uh, if, uh, well, I guess that's a good second to the next thing is what do we expect from this team next year? I mean, you have a brand new coach who has never been a head coach at the NHL level. Um, what are the expectations? Conference finals or Okay. Yeah, and you know what? You are entitled to your opinion. I'm going to say Stanley Cup finals or fuck this season. <laughs> I, I think oh, the... We want to be fair to the first-year coach. Yeah, well... I mean, I, I think that my expectations for this season are higher than they have been for the last couple few seasons. Um, 
part of that is what I know about Blash Hill um, and the coach that he is. Um, part of it is the players that we have, you know, kids like Tatar and Nyquist and Cheyenne and Yurko and Polkanen and the potential that those guys have and the skills that they have. Part of it is, you know, bolstering our defense with Green coming in and signing Brad Richards, who makes us much deeper at center. Like, I, I feel like, I, I know the season hasn't started yet, but there's that feeling like everything so far has come up roses. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with Blash Hill coming in, like, he's the only coach, I think, that could have come in that I would have been happier about than even keeping Babcock. Right. And I, I don't know, like, I, I don't want to be too optimistic so far, but I think that the potential, I think the potential exists for us to be in the Stanley Cup finals or, you know, at least get really close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, think I mean, the NHL is going to be a lot more wide open this year than it was last year even. Um, and I think that if we can maybe avoid Tampa altogether because I still think that Tampa's going to be better than we are. Um, but honestly, that's the only team that I can say with confidence that I think is going to be better than we are. Um, I, I'm trying not to get too high on it because I know that sometime in February, I'm somebody's going to remind me that, that right now I'm, I'm saying that I'm super duper high on this team. And I'm going to wonder how the fuck I ever thought that way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that uh, the team has a lot of a lot of depth. Uh, I think they can handle some things, and I also think that they can't just keep failing with veteran signings. Uh, one of those veteran signings has to go like super duper well, and it's it might as well be Richards this time. Yeah, and, and yeah, green. it can be green too. Sure. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. I, think, I pretty much expect I expect a successful season. It'll be a winning season. They're not going to be like a, a bottom feeding team. They're still going to be the great Red Wings that they are. Um, and I, I mean, we gonna... have we have an exciting goalie tandem too. Like we've talked a lot about the depth at forward, and you know the depth on defense that we're going to have. But when you have Jimmy Howard and Peter Mrazek, like. Yeah, no, White is definitely good in terms of depth for this team. The problem is, is the defensive depth is just ass backwards. It's just like you have uh, two, three top pair guys and then just like four or five douchebags. Um, not that Exo and uh, Marchenko are douchebags, but you know, they're not top pairing guys, so not yet at least. Um they should be better well, I, I feel like somebody, at least one person on defense needs to be like ha- has to go, has to be traded, has to something. There's there's too there's too much. And yeah. I mean it, it creates sure it's depth if you have Marchenko, Willette, and Jensen all starting the season in Grand Rapids, and like that's they're playing in Grand Rapids. Sure, it's depth. Sure, you have depth to call up if somebody gets injured. But at the same time, you've got two or three NHL ready defensemen who are in the AHL. And I mean, 
I don't. I think that even if Jakob Kindle and Brendan Smith are like magically resurrected, and Smith can string two consecutive thoughts together, I don't think that they're going to be anything to write. Like they're not going to be. I don't think they're going to be great defensemen. You know, I think that even if they're good, and you're like, wow, this is the best we've seen them play. You know, didn't think they could play this good. I still don't know that they're going to be better options. They got to move closely. Hmm. Yeah, that's probably that's probably the easiest one. Everybody wants it to be Erickson, and I know why, but he's not getting moved. His contract is super long. His cap hit is high. He has that no trade clause. Um, nobody wants him. Everybody can see he's garbage on the top pair. So just get over. Yeah, just get over it. Erickson's sticking around. Uh, nobody's happy about it. We might as well just root for him to not suck. Um, you know, <laughs> wish in one hand, shit in the other. See which one fills up first. But Quincy's got one year left at a decent cap hit. He doesn't have a no-trade clause. Uh, he has actual value coming off of a good season, and he's just kind of in the way. I they don't want... And that's the weird thing, because I do think that... The, I'm not sure the defense gets better moving Quincy out, but it just makes the most sense. So, fuck, make it happen. Right. I mean, if he was gone, you could have a third pairing of Marchenko and rotate Smith and Kendall in and be like, okay, whoever does better gets to play, and whoever keeps on sucking gets to be the seventh defenseman. Congratulations. You have earned your I- prize. I don't know. It's going to be definitely going to be interesting to see how how Blashell handles all of that, and if something gives before the season starts, or if we go in just with a glut of defensemen and and those three are stuck in Grand Rapids again. Yeah, I thought the logjam was bad enough last season, and. Oh, and we're going to trade someone off the roster, like I said in my bold prediction, and that that never came through. Good job. You suck. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's. I guess to a certain extent, it's nice to be having this discussion instead of where are we going to find six NHL defensemen, but. Right. At the same time, it, it sucks to be having this discussion again going, we have guys that are ready. There's no room for them. So I guess that's just, I mean, you know, one of our points of discussion tonight was the defense. Um, I mean, what needs to be done to make them a contending team on the blue line? Um, and I think the key there is moving one of these dead weights, whether it's Quincy or Kindle and promoting one of these, you know, young guns in Ulet or Marchenko, who you weighed heavily on in the playoffs. You believed in them. Um, obviously, they can handle it. So uh, I think that's like the first, I mean, well, we already took the first step with signing Green, but there's another, you know, the second step is to um, start shuffling in a young core of defensemen. You need to start building around a new core, like, you know, just because Cronwall's not getting any younger, Erickson's not getting any better, that's for sure. Um, DeKaiser, he's going to, you know, he's he's going to be great. 
Dude, he is great. Um, but yeah, you need to get some. You need to get some youth in there. You need to get some young guys, like younger than like Brendan Smith or Jakob Kindle, like you know who aren't young. They're just you know they're considered veterans at this point. Um, they need some. Uh, they need some young blood. Yeah, I think you got to be willing to move around and and experiment with what's going on with the pairs. Like I'm really ha- I'm I've automatically uh, called the Kaiser and, and Green a a, a a win, but you've mm-hmm. got to find something to protect Cronwall uh, and Erickson because Erickson, um, I think playing on the wrong side continues to hurt him. Uh, I just don't think that he's he's good enough for that. I wonder if moving him over to the left side with a different partner. Um, might make him not suck. Cronwall has lost that step. Um, he was never a truly fast defenseman, but he is not uh, fleet of foot enough to to catch up. So I mean, you got to be willing to see if Marchenko on the the right side of Cronwall can can make it happen, or move Smith back there, and maybe potentially see if you can get Erickson uh, a partner to to play on the the right side and make him the puck moving mm-hmm. defenseman. And I know a lot of people. Do not like Erickson as a puck mover, but I think getting him moving up ice and having him do more from even the half wall than trying to boom it into people's feet from the point, um, I think it can work as long as you don't get him caught out against uh, actual uh, really good hockey players. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have him creating yeah. from the half wall, you can just have him set up for one time with that boom and shot he never uses. Yeah, exactly. Get him uh, past the first level so that as he booms those shots into people's legs, uh, they're not creating odd man rushes the other way. Could it be? Could it be to the wings' benefit to kind of make it if Cronwall and Erickson are destined to stay together to make them more of the second pairing, um, maybe lower their level of competition a little bit to try and shelter mostly Erickson. And see if DeKaiser and Green can handle the the top line minutes in competition. Yeah, I mean you got to try something. Erickson cannot do top line; he can't be the top pairing. And so that's your only other uh, real option as far as what to do there. Yeah, Erickson should be moved to the moon. We got a little bit over twenty minutes, and I want to go ahead and get to this uh, this reader question. Um, sure. Actually, there's a bunch of reader questions, but uh, Detroit Sports says this isn't strictly Red Wings, and probably not that interesting to talk about. But I'd love for you guys to address what John Oliver said about stadiums on his last week's show. Uh, if I remember correctly, many at Wim are staunch supporters of the new stadium deal. So does this rant change your opinions in any way? Uh, for those of you who missed it, you can still Google it. Just say John Oliver stadiums rant, and you'll find it. Um, he goes off on this uh, this pretty long rant about how stadium deals are uh, public finance stadium deals are never a good idea. He brings up the Red Wings deal, um, mentions you know that that Illich is that they're getting 288 million dollars worth of public money and that Illich is worth 5.1 billion dollars, and so this is this is a bad deal because in general these are just not good deals. Um, it's not. It doesn't change my opinion on anything because it's not any new information. What John Oliver did was basically parrot something that has been said for the last few years. He just did it in a much more public forum, in a much 
louder version and a much more funny version of of the rant. So, um, no, my opinion is is not changed. Um, I it remains that I am very worried that this is a a bad deal because of all of the information that's out there about these publicly funded doll, uh, stadium deals. Um, but there are some differences between that and normal deals that I think give at least reason for hope that it might work. Because the problem with a lot of these stadium deals is it's really just like, oh, build a stadium and money will come, whatever. And then the economists just say, okay, well, money comes one place, but that's actually moving somewhere farther away from the city. The issue is that Detroit has a very small tax base anymore. Uh, The urban diaspora out of Detroit has been insane. There are almost no people left there to pay taxes. And so this isn't just a let's build a stadium and you know stadium equals magic jobs. There is a entire district that they are hoping to be to make a population center out of. And I think that that is not something that has been uh, really looked into in a lot of other places. They actually uh, they do have it in, in Kansas City. They built a stadium and they built a district around it and the stadium is doing wonderfully. Uh the district has yet to um make a lot of money, but there is a there are a lot of people that are moving into that area. It is becoming a population base in Kansas City, like I think this this stadium project can do for Detroit. So I think that there's hope for it. Um also I will say the concept about this is public funding, um I'm continuously frustrated about seeing people essentially say that this is you know, Detroit declared bankruptcy, and now that they're taking the these public dollars, it's not actually public dollars. It's downtown development authority dollars. This is a special tax capture. You can say, well, it's taxes that the businesses in the downtown area are not paying to the city of Detroit because they're paying to the DDA, but I'm not comfortable going back that far and saying that everything would be exactly the same with the businesses in the downtown Detroit if they were paying into the general city fund rather than paying into the downtown development authority fund. So it's not the same money. This is money that was specifically earmarked for downtown development that is being spent on downtown development and is being spent from a very specific funding of the businesses that are already downtown. So it's like it's not exactly public money. It is public money, but it's specifically out of a place that's supposed to be for downtown development. If you don't like the mm-hmm. concept of the downtown development authority, then that that's fine. I, I can understand that. And I can understand that this is a huge risk where Detroit can end up being worse off for it. But I think that it's a chance at making things better in Detroit to rebuild the population base there where they can actually start raising taxes, pull themselves out of the years and years and years of of horrifying things that have happened from awful city management and actually have a city again. So, no, opinions unchanged. Uh, the John Oliver rant was entertaining. I would recommend anybody watch it, but it's it's nothing new. Yeah, I mean, it's just shit you would hear from any other mainstream media out, like, source, um, you know, weighing in on it. Um it's you know it, it, people just want things to they just want uh, stuff to make fun of they want to point the finger and they want to take the, the high ground on everything um, and the Red Wings are an easy target because we've been just so fucking good for so long I'm sorry that it makes everybody angry but it's just you know it's not it's not my fault 
as a fan. Yeah. My team has been so wonderful. Um, Plus, there's kind of like this hidden uh, assumption in there that that Mike Illich is rich, and like somehow he wants to just like bleed the last out of Detroit. Like he's yeah. like trying to to watch Detroit die while he he makes a dime. And I don't think that anybody knows anybody who knows Mike Illich thinks that. I think that obviously he has gotten a beneficial agreement, but I don't think Mike Illich is rooting for this thing to fail. I think he he wants everything to do as as well as it possibly can. So it'll make him even more rich, but it'll be beneficial for Detroit as well. Yeah, and Mike Illich has given a lot and poured a lot into the city of Detroit and the community over the years, too. So, you know, to come at it from a standpoint of he's looking to get whatever out of this personally he can, and he just wants to bleed Detroit dry, that's silly, and he has an entire history that says otherwise. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's wrap it. Sorry, Joe. Did you have something to add? Uh, just that it's it's just a trendy, you know, he's a rich guy that should be taking care of this money, taking care of this entirely by himself. And partially the reason that partially that the reason it got a lot a lot of play out of John Oliver is because this is a new audience that's that's hearing it for the first time. So it is something that has been going on for years now, but. I don't think John Oliver's audience has been particularly pretty to it. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's kind of rapid fire the rest of these questions. Uh, hindsight being twenty twenty, would it have been a good move to ship Manta and accessories for Tyler Myers? Myers on our current roster would be awesome. Who has the higher ceiling? I certainly hope Manta can correct the lineup and have less have a less disappointing season. Lol. What do you think? Would you, uh, if you had to do it all over again, would you move? Uh, make Manta a centerpiece for a Tyler Myers trade? Depends on what the other guy sets for. Most often, more more often, no, probably not. I don't know. Manta might have higher feeling, but he's still he's still young, and it's still potential. Um, God. I might consider it. Joe? I don't think Tyler Myers, at the, uh, even at the point that the deals are being considered, is enough of a return to give up on the potential of Manta in that particular deal. Okay. I think if, uh, if it's Manta for Myers straight up, I'd do it, but I think based on what the the deal actually was it would have cost um it would have cost more like i can't make a deal with detroit that makes sense the same way that that buffalo deal came together so or i'm sorry the the winnipeg deal so no um this is a really good question uh who do you think is more valuable to the team uh tatar or nyquist who is the better player now versus the future ooh I, think the car I don't know how to answer. I really don't know how to answer this question. I think the car is and will be the more productive player. I think so too. I think Tatar has has got it in a way that I think Nyquist has a little bit better of a shot, but I think Tatar has uh, has that kind of like intangible fire. Like I, I think the Tatar uses the body better, um, and I think that makes more of a difference in the, in the NHL. Yeah, I think I have. I really like Nyquist, but 
Yeah, we're just comparing Katar and Nyquist. We're not saying, well, this guy's great and the other guy's total shit. Are we? Yeah, it always feels like the Natsu Zetterberg comparisons. Like, I always feel bad picking favorites because you feel like you like have to shit on one of them, but I don't think so. Uh, Cody what? Franson, any chance uh, we still pick him up and then clear a ton of logjam through trades? No. No. We're not picking up Franson. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's my not thought as well. Happen. I would actually, I would like it to happen, but I, I, I'm, we're already trying to figure out how the hell it makes room on our defense. Um, obviously, I mean, there's a bunch of people I'd move out for Franson, but whatever. You'd have to move out several defensemen, and you know the defensemen that you would be willing to to ship out. It have to be like Quincy Smith or Kindle, and you'd have to throw in a bit more with that. And you still kind of have a log jam, you know. If you picked one or two of those defensemen, you still would have a log jam on D. And I don't, oh, I don't think it, I don't think it would be worth it. I don't think it would make enough sense for the Wings. I don't think they would pick up another defenseman. I think if another trade happens, it would probably be sending some defensemen out for, I don't know, picks. Like, I don't think it would be anything blockbuster. Yeah, I agree. That uh, that nails it for reader questions. All right, well... That, uh, yeah, that, I guess that pretty much puts a wrap on it, unless anybody else has anything else they want to bring up. Did, did we hit on the, the next two weeks? Hold your peace. Did we hit on the Nyquist resigning? Oh, yeah. Hey, Nyquist resigned. Yeah, he's here for another four Woo-hoo! years. Oops. 4.75. Uh, that's it's a pretty good number, <laughs> considering you're buying up two of his his free his years of free agency. Um I mean he's back to back twenty goal scoring. Um I think it's a great deal. You gotta pay your best players and now that you're paying them you're paying him. Um now you have to give him a shot to be that core player. This is the year the Nyquist has to show up in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has the the potential to be a, a core player for the Wings. He's not as flashy as Tatar, and he doesn't have that, um, you know, doesn't show that big personality. But obviously the talent and the skill are there, and, you know, he's he's a the kind of player, um, you know, that the Wings have built their core around for how long. I mean, you look at Zetterberg, and he's not – you know, if you look at the Zetterberg Datsuk comparison versus the Nyquist Tatar comparison, you know, Zetterberg's not flashy in the way that Datsuk is, but he's, I mean, he's a captain, he's a core player. Um, in some ways, Nyquist reminds me of, of Zetterberg and, you know, in that comparison. And obviously the Wings have plans for him, you know, they re-sign him, pay him, um, he's come up through the system. I think from the Wings' perspective, he's definitely part of the future core. And if not, his no-trade clause doesn't uh, kick in for two years. 
Boom. Fuck them. Better. Yeah. Nyquist <laughs> is one of the team's best goal scorers, and as much as a team can have a bunch of point producers, you also need guys that are going to actually put the puck in the net to get you those points. And, you know, Johan Franzen is one of our best goal scorers for a while, and you got a lifetime contract out of that, but, you know, the cap hit was basically, well, basically a steal for the kind of production he had. And if Nyquist is going to continue to be, he might not necessarily score 30 or 40 goals, but if he's going to continue to lead the team in goal scoring or be among the team's leaders in goal scoring, then 0.75 for four years is an absolute steal. Yeah, I think the Zetterberg comparison works really well because it's not, there's not the, that flashiness to him, but he just scores goals. He just finds a way. Um, I think I said it in our uh, our chat not too long ago that Nyquist seems to uh, ask the goalies to give up kind of bad goals uh, more often than a lot of other players, but he gets he also rewards it. <laughs> like you see more of Nyquist goals, like man, I kind of wonder how uh, how Rass might have let that one through, but it it's obviously a talent because he does it more often than anybody else and he's a, a really good sniper too but I like his willingness to kind of shoot low to the outside uh, we haven't really gotten a guy like that who does that and actually puts the puck in the net since uh, Marion Hosa so mm-hmm. as long as he can continue to drive the puck up ice with that that speed and, and make plays happen yeah I love the guy I just think yeah, to talk better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he's All right. five. You know, there's there's time for him to get even better. Yeah, there is. Or worse. But mostly better. Well, yeah, hopefully. That's <laughs> ideal. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we uh, pretty much covered everything. Um, just get ready for a boring couple of months, fam. Yeah, it really sucks all this has to happen, like, before we really get into July. It's like, I want to see all of our new toys on the ice, and now we, you know, fuck it, you got to wait. Yep, that's free agency. Fucking piece of shit. All right, well, uh, I guess we will see you guys next time. Um, thanks for sticking with us. And, uh, yeah, let's go Red Wings. Let's, uh, let's uh, I don't know, get excited. <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm a wreck right now. Sorry. Let's go Red Wings! Clap, clap, clap. Let's go Red Wings! Wow! I just drove the pickup truck of this podcast right into a Tim Hortons. No. Oh. Winging it, winging it, winging it, I'm winging it in my time, winging it.